You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. And before we dive into today's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group, Panthers on Tap, over 2,500 members. You can find all of our episodes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. Don't forget to follow Bryson and I on Twitter at Coach Rule and at Curtis underscore round. Bryson, how are you doing this evening? Doing good, man. Uh, had a rough day at work today, but I'm excited to sit down and talk some Panthers football with a couple of great guys. So, Yeah, let's get things rolling. We got a first-timer tonight on Panthers on Tap, Josh Klein, editor-in-chief of the Riot Report. Josh, thanks so much for joining us this evening. Yeah, always a pleasure. Uh, I, I just moved my microphone over towards my face. I don't know why. I just felt like I was looking at you guys. You have your mic, like it's like right there. So I was like, I can't, I can't have this thing be off screen during the during the intro um i like to be the loudest one on the podcast so and really make it hell on on your editors (laughs) i'm just gonna constantly be moving the mic so people can't i'm too quiet too too loud it's gonna be great people love it (laughs) yeah about quality curtis will love editing that one yeah i will (laughs) We got a big episode tonight. When this episode airs on Thursday, we'll be a week removed from the NFL draft. We talked offense alignment all last week. This week, we're talking prospects outside the trenches. Josh, before we dive into the draft, we got to talk, get your take on Sam Darnold. Don't need to spend much time on this, but I just want to get your feelings on the trade. You know, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, maybe a rookie in the draft. It seems as though Darnold was, you know, option D here for the Panthers. Your thoughts on the trade? Uh, I think that in a vacuum, trading uh, a second, fourth, and sixth rounder for somebody like Sam Darnold, who is, you know, objectively a young quarterback that's been in a terrible situation for his entire career. He's 23 years old um, with an opera that was at one point the number three pick in the draft you I think that's a good deal I think that makes sense that's fine but the issue for me is that they didn't do this in a vacuum they did it a year after signing Teddy Bridgewater a three-year 63 million dollar contract they did it in a year where they do have the eighth pick and they don't expect to be in the top 10 very often after this um and they did it 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 just they did it more for it seemed to me like they need a new quarterback rather than we really like Sam Darnold and we feel like we can make him a better quarterback here in Carolina as opposed to I can't watch Teddy Bridgewater throw the ball for 17 games again and that's fine like if that's if that's the attitude that's okay but it's it just it it makes me question like what the plan is what the long-term plan is because what happens when Sam Darnold plays in Carolina like he has in New York every game that he's been a professional quarterback what happens then then we just go into next season looking for another quarterback which is fine but you know it's just that that's my question is it I like to look for long-term plans and processes that lead to good situations and good good results and and I, I just it it makes me question what how that is going to happen um right now now that being said um, if he is going to be successful, 
Joe Brady, Matt Rule, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Dan Arnold, Robbie Anderson, all these are reasons why he can and and should be successful here in Carolina. And maybe he's going to turn his career around. And maybe, you know, when you make the good, when you, when the quarterback move works, it doesn't matter whether you liked it at the beginning. So that's really all that counts. So if, if they can make this work, if Joe Brady and Matt rule can turn Sam Darnold into a, even a, an average NFL quarterback, um, they're going to look fantastic. It's going to make Scott Federer look incredibly smart and it's going to make them look like they got a steal uh, for only essentially, you know, a second and two day three picks. While we're on the topic of Sam Darnold, um, I want, I got a question for both of you really um, just like a hypothetical scenario that I saw on Twitter today. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, if you are betting everything that you have, Josh, uh, you bet in the house, the car, everything you have, um, what, what is your most realistic guess of Sam Darnold's numbers next season? Um, yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. Oh, um, well, that's very specific. Uh, I think you should make Curtis go first. I didn't know we were going to be bad. No, no, I'm Curtis. Uh, yeah, let's hear it. Curtis, yeah, you asked both of us. You go what first. I want to see out of him to be to be satisfied. Your, well, if it's you want what you want to see, it's like well, ten thousand yards, eighty <laughs> touchdowns, yeah. and negative five intercept, and and he has five interceptions <laughs> on defense. That's what you want to see, but. I'll <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I don't know if I'm going to do yards. I, I, I'll go touchdown interception ratio. I think just based off of how he's done in the NFL going, you know, off of what the weapons he's going to have in Carolina, I'm going to say not much better than Teddy Bridgewater. I'm going to say 16, 17 touchdowns, maybe eight, eight, eight interceptions. I'll, I'll go with that. Um, it's interesting that you say that. So Sam Darnold, essentially in what many would consider his best year was his rookie year. He had 17 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, never had a season with less than 11 interceptions. Um, and I know you can blame a little bit of that on Adam Gase. You can blame it on the offensive line. Um, but you know, that this is a guy that has struggled with his decision-making throughout his entire career. So, I think you're the idea of, I think he will throw more interceptions to Teddy Bridgewater. And I, I think he may throw more touchdowns too. I mean, that's the reality is that one, the, it seemed to seems pretty obvious that the reason why Matt rule and specifically David Tepper wanted to move on from Teddy Bridgewater is you, he wouldn't let it loose, right? He never unleashed the beast, never let the big dog eat down the middle. So I think that if you don't, Sam Darnold's going to do that. For sure. The question is, he's also going to throw terrible pick sixes. So you kind of have to go one for one. And one of the things that I think that was interesting is that Matt Rule and Joe Brady, like their offense, especially last season, was designed for like one read, Curtis Samuels open, throw it to him. DJ Moore, here comes the blitzer, throw it to DJ. Let him do let him do work. Joe Brady's offense stretches the field horizontally as well as vertically. And Sam Darnold struggles in short to medium term and Teddy Bridgewater was supposed to be, you know, this intensely laser accurate guy within 10 or 15 yards. And he just wasn't. And that was what really let him down. And I think what let everybody down, I think everybody came like for me, I watched him for the first six games of the season. I was like, this is not the Teddy Bridgewater that I was told was coming to Carolina. Cause he's missing Christian McCaffrey out of the flat. He's missing, uh, 
uh, Ian Thomas over the middle. He's missing. He's missing these throws that you think that he should be making, which was the, which was the reason why you were okay with him not taking the deep shots because he wasn't going to miss those short throws. And my worry with Sam Darnold is that he may take more of the deep shots, but he may also miss on the D on the short throws um, as well. That being said, 23 years. I feel like I just, that being said, after, after I just crush guys for two minutes, I'm just like, you know, he really smells bad. That being said, smelly guys, pretty cool. Like Do we have you, a number. You from never you? Know. Let's, let's see your number. <laughs> Oh, you really, you're yes. going to let nail me down on this number, huh? Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. well, I'm going to say more touchdowns than Teddy Bridgewater. Cause I, uh, so I will say 20, 21 touchdowns, which would be a career high for Sam Darnold, but I will say, uh, 15 interceptions, which will tie his career high. And since it was my question and I had more time to think about it and, uh, prepare an answer, um, I had yards included. Um, I had 3,400 yards, um, 23 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. So it's, it's kind of close to what, what you had, Josh. Keep in mind, but, I mean, this defense should be better than they were last year. So you may not have as many. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of Teddy Bridgewater and, and the offense's stats came not in garbage time, but certainly when they were behind and chasing chasing the, field, chasing the score. So if, if this defense is better and they're not having to do that every week, then, you know, maybe he doesn't have to throw – he doesn't have to have a thousand yard receiver. Yeah, and I just want to backtrack because I'm the one who is not a fan of uh, Sam Darnold. Bryson had better. I had I had better stats than uh, Bryson did. So I was on. I was under the gun there. I wasn't thinking <laughs> as well as I should have. I would definitely reflect more of your guys' numbers, but I just want to make that clear because, as Bryson knows and our listeners, I'm not a big fan of this trade. But we'll see what happens. Well, I want to. I want. I want to ask Bryson. Bryson, you're a fan of the move. Um, see, Bryson is a fan of the move. Around, ask like the a, listeners. <laughs> very loose term. I'm, I, I, I was defending Carolina for making the move. Uh, I thought that I was totally 100% against going into next season with Teddy Bridgewater. I just, as a fan, I wasn't looking forward to that and just was dreading next season if that was the case. And I was wanting them to make a move somewhere. The draft. I was obviously I was hoping for Deshaun Watson. That was my dream scenario but uh for other reasons that wasn't going to happen so um I like Justin Fields a lot and I I was hoping for a trade up at one point but then the 49ers did that so um then Sam Darnold fell into our laps for a price higher than I thought that they were gonna pay for Sam Darnold but um I think Sam Darnold shown flashes of potential to be good and like you were saying he's 23 years old he's been in a terrible situation his whole career and I'm just excited to see if he's good or not i mean that's just pretty much it <laughs> how will you feel if the panthers pass on justin fields because they are traded for sam darnold i'll be very salty i'll be very mad I'll, we're going to the roaring right watch party next thursday and i'll be uh i'll probably be screaming so <laughs> you you probably won't be the only one <laughs> no if fields is there at eight and they pass on him uh, i'm i'm not going to be happy Carolina made a move today at defensive tackle. They've agreed to terms with Tennessee Titan, Daquan Jones. Josh, you know, they lost K1. They were looking for someone aside of Brown. What did you think of the move today? Does it get you a little bit more excited? It looks like they can now officially go best player available in this draft. Yeah, I think it's a good signing. I think it's a fine signing. I think they needed a defensive tackle, somebody next to 
um, next to Derek Brown and what Daquan Jones can do um, is he can, he can eat up space. He can eat up blockers, eat up snaps. And I know eat up snaps seems like a terrible description for a player, but the reality is, is like, you don't need your defensive tackle to be, to get 10 sacks. I mean, Jones is not going to get you 10 sacks, but you don't need it. You don't need him to get 30 tackles either. I mean, he may get you 30 tackles. You don't need him to get 60 tackles. The guy that you need to get maybe 10 sacks and 60 tackles is the one that you drafted number seven overall last year. And the way that you get him into one-on-one situations or you get him into the backfield and let him do his thing is by having a big guy like Jones next to him that get, that eats up snaps, that eats up blockers, that eats up space in the middle, that makes it so that you have to run to the other side of the field, that you have to you know, run a stretch to, against Brian Burns or you have to – you know, you have to run a toss or a crack block, like these kind of things that where you can't just run straight up the middle and have 90, go 90 yards um, like the Bucks did last year. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that, and the other thing is he's team captain last year, is 29 years old. It's a really young defense, always has, I mean, not always has been, but it has been the last two years. Um, and they need older guys on there to show these young players how to be a pro. Not that Derek Brown or Jeremy Chin or Brian Burns needs it, but it helps. It does help to have somebody in the locker room that has been in the league for a few years that, that has that loud voice that can say, hey, what we did on Sunday was not good enough. Or, you know, we're not watching tape, whatever, they're, whatever he's going to say. And so that, I think, has a value in and of itself. So I, I think it's a good signing. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good signing. An interesting fact about uh, Daquan Jones is that he was actually, um, I know I bring up these stats a lot here, pro football focus, but he was the highest graded defensive player on Tennessee's defense last year by pro football focus. So take it for what you will, but he played well last year. And I, and I'm, I was a fan of the signing, uh, a run stopper beside Derek Brown. I'm not sure what it means for Brave John Roy um, at this time, but We'll see where that where that puts them in the rotation, but yeah, I, I was a fan of the signing today for sure. Well, and it's good because they got you know a pretty solid rotation in there with some of the guys they already picked up in free agency a couple weeks back already. So, it, yeah, I mean, Bravion's a six round pick too, so there's nothing wrong with somebody that's a six round pick being a backup defensive tackle for his first few years in the league, and and giving you thirty percent of the snaps, 30 percent of the snaps, and maybe making some splash plays as he gets better um, and less raw, these guys didn't have an off season last year. So um, I think that, that, you know, they're, it's okay for them to say to themselves, Bravion can't, we need somebody to start in front of Bravion. That's fair. That is, that's a good point. Oh, also doesn't like to poop at airports, which not a big, not, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Cause I always feel like, you know, those bathrooms are pretty clean in there. Nice to, you, you know, nobody in the airport or on the plane. Oh, in the airport. Oh, okay. on the plane is no way. Yeah, absolutely no, you not. Can't, on the no plane. way. Uh-uh. That's yeah. bad for you yeah. and everybody on the plane. <laughs> when yeah. you gotta go, you gotta go. I mean, it's <laughs> Cam Newton's only on the plane. No Jimmy Clausens. Can't do it. Well, we got Josh Klein here, editor in chief of the Riot Report, joining us. Panthers on tap. Let's dive into the draft uh, this evening. Adam Schefter reported Panthers have had conversations with teams about trading back. Do you like that move for Carolina or do you think they need to address a need at number eight? No, I'm on team trade back. I've been there for about three months, probably for years. I've been on team trade back, but specifically 
this year and last year, I was on team trade back pretty heavily. The the one thing that I want to that I that I would like to say is what a report is that that the that the Panthers have had conversations about trading the eighth pick. Oh, for real? Have they? Oh, crazy! Uh, I can't believe it. Thank you so yeah, much. Scott Fitter is doing his job. Wow, surprising. Yeah, if <laughs> if he's not having the if he's not having those, one of the things that you always have to think about, and I, I actually mentioned this on uh, on an episode of uh, One Day Contract, our podcast. I would encourage you after you listen to this, go and listen to to ours. Um, uh, that you always have to consider the source, especially when it comes to draft season. So Adam Schefter tweets out that the Carolina Panthers have had conversations about trading the eighth pick trading back specifically. Where did that come from? Who told him that? Who is that a team behind the Panthers trying to tell, trying to alert the rest of the NFL that the Panthers are interested in trading back. Is it coming from inside the Carolina building where they're saying, where they are calling Adam Schefter and saying, Hey, can you put this out so that other teams know that we're trying to trade back because if, if we're trying to trade back, then maybe somebody else that's, that's looking to trade up is going to give us a call or they're going to, they're going to be a little bit nervous um, about, you know, if you're the Broncos at nine, or if you are the Patriots at 15, or if you're, I guess, Washington is pretty far back, but if you're another team and you're saying, Hey, well, look, Carolina is trying to trade out. Maybe we need to call Carolina and, and get up there and have a better offer than whoever else is trying to get out. So though that, um, that I think is really important to think about is where that, where that report is coming from. And there was another report. Uh, well, I guess not a report, just a tweet really from Joe person today saying that the Panthers are intrigued by Justin Fields. And, um, and I think that's, that, that's probably true. I mean, uh, they, I'm sure that at eight, that would be a hard situation for them to decide, but at eight, what do you think is most likely um, the scenario there? If you say that Fields is there at eight and then maybe like Rayshon Slater, do you see them trading out of eight to trade back and maybe a, a team trade up and get Justin Fields or them taking Fields at eight? Or what, what do you see happening there? I think, and this is my, my kind of reading some tea leaves and, and talking to people. Um, I, I think that if Kyle Pitts or Panay Sewell are not there with the eighth pick, which I do not think either one of them are going to be, I think trading back is probably the best option for the Carolina Panthers. Um, There are a couple teams behind them that also need tackles. So if you think to yourself that the draft goes uh, mock draft, it's the way that I think it goes right now. I think it goes um, Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Pitts, Sewell, uh, Chase, and then I think somebody dra- jumps in front of the Panthers to the seventh pick and drafts Fields. That's what I think is going to happen. I don't know. I'm like I don't know, but that's kind of how I feel. I think is going to happen. Or if it doesn't, then maybe like Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle goes there. The best case scenario for the Panthers is that Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith goes at the seventh pick, and the the first six go the way that I do. So then you have Justin Fields still on the board. You have Macaroni Jones still there. Not that I think anybody's going to come up for him, but he could. They could. But somebody wants to come up for Justin Fields. If they're going to come up, they're going to come up for Justin Fields. So if you're sitting at the eighth pick and you're the Carolina Panthers, and you have already made it clear that you don't like the two quarter, you don't like the quarterbacks in this draft other than the top two. And you keep trying to push the agenda that maybe you do, maybe you are going to take a quarterback. In my mind, I don't think they are. I, I think that they they want to acquire assets. 
and they would like they would really like to address the tackle position and you can do it with Rayshon Slater with the eighth pick or you can trade down to 12 or 13 or 15 and maybe address it with uh, somebody like Darisaw. So, and pick up, especially if somebody is going to want to come up for Justin Fields, you're probably in line. If, if there are multiple teams, you're probably in line for a 2022 first round pick. If you can pick up a first round pick next year, I'm trading out of that pick 100 times out of 100. And I get it that you want that top pick, but the reality is, is that if you are building for the future, the best teams have the most chances at being right. Not that they just pick correctly every time. And when you look at Scott Fitterer coming from a Seattle organization whose mantra, who bred trading down, you know how many times since 2011, the Seattle Seahawks used their original first round pick once oh my goodness. since 2011. So they trade down. Yeah, they were in the 20s. I get it. It's a different story. But the reality is, is they like to trade. In 2019, they had 10 different trades throughout the course of the draft. They like to trade. Scott Fitterer likes to trade. So I think that you are going to see he is going to be very amenable to a trade down situation. Also kicks the can a little bit further down the road. You can tell, look at, look, you can tell your boss, David Tepper, who's maybe a little bit impatient. Look at all these assets I have. I got this first round pick next year. We got a great tackle. He's going to take a little bit of time to learn, but whatever, look at all this stuff that I did. You can recoup a little bit of the assets that you gave up to, uh, that to get Sam Darnold. So there are just a lot of options if you are going to trade back. So that is a very long winded way. That's the only way I know how to do it of saying, yes, trade back. So you don't, you don't think the Panthers are intrigued with Justin Fields. You're not buying that. No, I think they're intrigued by him. Um, I, I guess my thing is that I, I don't think it's impossible to I, I would not rule out the possibility that they would draft Justin Fields with the eighth pick. Um, I don't think it would be a particularly smart move if they did, but I, I don't think that it would. I, I think there are the things that they are doing right now, like not picking up the fifth year option for Sam Darnold, like telling teams that they're telling beat reporters and Adam Schefter that they're intrigued by Justin Fields and that they are willing to trade down. You know, maybe, but to me, I think that that their entire offseason has led to we are drafting a tackle with our first pick. They used to have this huge hole at corner. They signed A.J. Bouye. They used to have this huge hole at quarterback, which was self-inflicted because they hate Teddy Bridgewater. They went out and traded for Sam Darnold. Now, the only thing, the only spot where they really need to add some a huge talent upgrade is at tackle specifically. And they can do that with the eighth pick. They can probably do it with 12 or 15, or if they trade back a little bit further, maybe it's going to be harder if you have the 19th pick. But if you're trading back that far, you're going to pick up some real assets down the road. So I, I think they're going to take all phone calls and they may just end up picking somebody with the eighth pick and maybe Sulip, maybe Slater. Um, to me, it's, I, I think that Sewell and Pitts are the top two guys on their list. And after that, there's a pretty big, they're, they're going to be looking to trade, but again, these are, this is all kind of hearsay. A lot of this stuff becomes a lot more crystallized in like the week of the draft because they, you know, that's when more people have the information more people have the information, the more it disseminates. 
Now, what about our topic that uh, Curtis and I will be covering today, cornerback? Do you think that it's a realistic possibility of a cornerback at eight? Uh, you know, up until recently, I kind of did, and I don't think that it's uh, I don't think that it's out out of the question. The Panthers really liked C.J. Henderson last year, like a lot. They liked him a lot, um, and I think that had uh, had they traded, had they been in the had they been able to pull off a trade down last year, I think CJ Henderson would have been somebody they would have taken a hard look at. Um, and I, I think they took a hard look at him with the seventh pick last year too. So I think cornerback was something that they're definitely interested in. And you have some great ones up at the top, whether it's uh, whether it's JC Horn or Patrick Sertan kind of depends what you like, whether you like a man guy, whether you like somebody like a big corner that can really match up. Um, personally, I think Sertan fits really well into their system. I just think they need a you need to tackle more. This team has has uh, not had a good left tackle since 2013. They've tried their best to maybe not their best. They've tried they've tried to uh, to to fill that spot multiple Patchwork. times. And I think that yeah, exactly. Well, they went out and signed a terrible. <laughs> they made a terrible free agent signing. Traded up for a guy that that uh, it may not be on the roster again this year. Um, so I just think that to me, tackle, it just, sometimes things just make too much sense for it not to happen. So that, that's where I'm at in terms of tackle. Terms I, of I agree yeah. with you. I feel like after the Bouye signing, you know, I, I thought maybe Sertan was a possibility at eight, you know, JC Horn maybe. And then when they made that signing, I, I felt like, you know, they were comfortable maybe taking a corner a little bit deeper, you know, second, third round and, really focusing in and honing in on a tackle if the right guy's there at eight. Yeah, I'm team trade back as well. I, I talked about it last week. I think um, Darisaw in the later 12 to 16 range is a better value for Carolina than like Slater at eight. Um, and I, I tried, I, we talked about it last week and I actually have Darisaw ranked over Slater um, at, at the tackle position. Anyways, I, I, I liked his tape and, Thought he did a, a really good job at left tackle this past season and the season before. So, um, yeah, I'm, I I like the possibility of trading back and then just getting more assets to fill more holes in the team and um, and also still getting a very good tackle pro, uh, prospect this year. So, did you guys did you guys have Vincent on the show last week? Vincent Richardson, a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Yeah, because that sounds like a Vincent Richardson t- style take. Because <laughs> I know that he uh, he's real big on Darasaw. So. Um, I, I know he likes Slater too, but he was saying, interestingly enough, so he, he, he does off, he does lineman tape a lot better than I do. He was saying that uh, Sewell has like the highest ceiling, but he also has some, has more bust potential. So it's like, he could be the best, like a top five guy in the league, but he also could be not as good as you think. And he, and I was like, well, like, don't you want the guy with the highest ceiling? And it's like, and he said uh, that they already got a boomer bust guy on the roster and he busted and it was Greg little. And it's like, Oh, do you guys curse on the show? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, we're open. Shit. So it's just like, ah, <laughs> uh, I didn't even realize it that I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. They did. They went up and got a guy that they were like, this guy could be the best tackle in the league, and then he stinks. So yeah, unfortunately. Sorry, Greg, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, if you're ranking corners, you think Sir Sertan is the clear number one, and then horn horn behind him or where do you have those guys yeah uh, for me it's sertan and then it's horn um and they're close too like i I think they're both um they're both good i think that 
um, Sertan fits into the uh, might sit, fit into the um, Panthers scheme a little bit more. But but the thing is, is like we don't really know what Phil Snow's scheme is. Like we have a general idea, but I, I think that all of this stuff that we say and it and it this is when I go the other way. This is the other side of the fence because I do this all the time is I say one thing and then I come back and say the exact opposite thing. So you can whichever part of the tape you want to cut out. That's when that's when I'll be right. Um, We just don't know. So like we don't know what kind of uh, we've never seen Matt rule draft an offensive player. So we don't know what he looks for in a tackle. We don't I mean, we have a general idea of what you know, what coaches and people look for in a tackle. But you know, we don't know how much of a value he places on grit and determination. We know, we know he likes it, but is he more willing to say, Hey, does he not like guys from big programs? Is he, uh, I was talking to somebody who said that, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of coaches in the NFL, they downgraded a lot of guys that opted out of the 2020 season just because they just didn't like it. And so is, is Matt rule one of those guys? I don't know. Is Scott Fitter one of those guys? I don't know. we don't, we just don't know so much about this drafting style that when you had Marty Herney and Ron Rivera in that draft room, you could kind of say like, okay, we know kind of what these guys like, or like what, like this feels like the, about the time when Marty likes to trade up or like this kind of feels like the way like, Oh, well, here comes this guy that they're going to make switch this secondary guy. That's really raw that let, that you thought was a linebacker, but they're going to bring him in as a safety. Like that's, that's what you Golden. know, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like, you don't know with this, with, with the combination of fitter and rule, you just don't know exactly what they want. So it's, it does, it makes everything a little bit more wide open, a little bit more exciting. So, you know, the stuff that I used to think was like a smoke screen, maybe it's like, maybe they just do like Justin Fields and they just were telling people like, maybe, maybe they're just out at the bar. Like, standing on a table like uh, Sean Payton at the combine. Yeah, I, I think this draft is definitely probably one of the most interesting drafts that I can remember. Um, one, because like you said, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we don't know how they draft, and we also don't know what Carolina thinks at eight right now. Um, and honestly, I don't even know if Carolina knows what they're doing at eight at this point. But Ooh, I yeah, it's, it's really wide open. Um, Curtis, did you have any more questions about the draft? I was going to transition to – um, for you. I'd, I'm curious what your corners ranked because I know you had a few on there. I'm oh, yeah. just curious yeah. if you just run down of. What so yeah, I had uh, Sertain at one, and then JC Horn at two, and and uh, like Josh had, they're pretty close in my opinion. Um, then I had Caleb Farley at three. I thought he's coming off an injury. He has the possibility to be one of the best corners in the draft, um, in my opinion. Then Asante Samuel Jr. at four, and Greg Newsom out of Northwestern at five. Um, I can get into more of the numbers and stuff later on, but that's just my top five um, right off the top there. What about you? Yeah, I, I think Sertan and Horn are close. Sertan seems to play one side of the field over the other. Horn moves around a little bit more. You see him in the slot. He's outside too. So you have flexibility there. And I know Matt Rule always talks about position flexibility and he loves that. So that's – he's an interesting guy. And he's he's played a lot of, you know – he's had his fair share of battles with wide receivers. I mean, this guy, he's played against some of the best college football wide receivers in the league the last couple of years, Horn. So, you know, he has that experience. He got burned, you know, last in 2019 against Devontae Smith. But that this guy's got his, you know, 
he's had his fair share of battles with some of these top guys. So, and, and he's done a pretty damn good job. Seth Williams, Seth Williams used one of nine completions when he covered him last year. I mean, that's, he had an outstanding game, two interceptions, four pass deflections. So also tested um, at a 9.99 on the RAS athletic score, which is absolutely crazy. Yeah. That's one guy I feel like his stock continues to rise and he, you know, I, I think if they got either one of those in a trade back situation, you know, 15 or something, I wouldn't be mad yeah. about it because they, they struggled last year at corner and, and Oboye, he's going to miss what, what one or two games off the top of the season there, but it's, it'd be nice to have someone opposite Dante Jackson, but yeah, I, I get, you know, left tackle is a bigger need. And I understand that. I think that's, something that they need to solidify, especially when you're going to bring in a guy like Sam Darnold, who has struggled. So that's fair. I, I just think that just, I, I don't, I think, I don't know if we're about to transition away from the draft, but I just think that when you trade down the whole entire, the whole board opens up. And at that point you can get a corner and you may, and these guys fall all the time. So whether it's corner, whether it's, you look at this, you look at this draft, the strength of this draft, right? There are four offensive tackles that are really like, it's a strong offensive tackle class. It's a really strong pass catcher class. Although it kind of seems like all the classes from here on out are going to be strong pass catcher classes, but whatever. But, um, and when you say you're a quarterback it's a strong quarterback class. So if you are not going to take a quarterback in the top 10 and you see four of them go in the top 10, that's good for you. So if you trade down, then it opens it up where there, maybe the, the JC Horn is still there at 15. Maybe you can get, maybe Pat, Patrick Sertan's not falling past the Cowboys, but what you get my point, but like, maybe, maybe you say to yourself, Hey, like uh, Devonta Smith is still down there at 15 and we got a first round pick out of this thing. And like, we're just going to roll the dice. I mean, th- this, the Panthers were really close to, they really like CD lamb last year too. So like they, they want to upgrade this wide receiver core. Robbie Anderson is going to be gone next year. Why not? You know? So when you are, when you trade back and you already have that added advantage of adding extra capital, then you can make, you can maybe swing a little bit from, from your hips a little bit more than uh, more than if you're drafting at eight and you're like, well, we got to have a Sean Slater because we can't miss. Josh, did you did you steal my notes here? I was about to just ask you that with the wide receiver class. You, you say, you know, these let's say maybe four or five quarterbacks go in the top go in front of Carolina and they have a wide receiver sitting there at 8 or if they trade back. Do they you've seen some of these mocks and mocks are out of this world. You either love or hate them and they're even more wild a week before the draft, but you know, what if a guy, you know, one of the top wide receivers does fall to Carolina at eight? You mentioned it already. DJ Moore, fifth-year option. Robbie Anderson, he's in a contract year. Do they pull a tri- pull the trigger if, you know, the top wide receiver, Chase, Waddle, Smith, one of those guys falls to them at eight? You, do you see them going there and making a strength even stronger? Uh, I, I don't think that they will. Now, that being said if chase is still available at eight, that means probably both of the tackles went right. And probably four of the quarterbacks went. So if you, if four quarterbacks, Kyle Pitts and both tackles are gone at eight and you're staring this generational wide receiver in the face and maybe the pit, maybe nobody wants to come up because they 
you know, all the quarterbacks are gone and they're not really as interested. I don't think, I mean, that's a situation where you might say, Oh, the hell with it. Sure. Yeah. Let's take Jamar chase and, and just empty this, empty this offensive bag and just put as many points on the table as possible. And then, uh, and then just see what happens. I, I don't think that would, that is not an impossible conclusion, but isn't that the best part about the draft where you can kind of be like, well, like, Oh, mm, uh, Jamar chase Jersey swap is looking pretty nice. Yeah. I don't think anything's out of the realm of possibilities for this draft for Carolina. So, but it's all, it really does more than any, more than any other draft in the past. This draft is all about what happens in front of them. I know that's the dumb, that's the most generic thing you could say, but like last year they weren't really like they had their guys mm-hmm. And if Derek Brown was there, they were going to take Derek Brown. And like they, this year, it's like, well, it's if this happens, then then maybe they'll do this, and then they'll listen to more trade back. If they, these guys are still on the board, I think that it really does. It makes a huge difference, and I do think that there are a lot of different options on the table. I think that you know, tackle, corner, uh, maybe not corner as much, but tackle, uh, wide receiver. Um, and even quarterback, I think, would still be on the table at eight uh, for the Panthers if they were still there, depending on what happens in the first seven. Uh, let's do hypothetical here. Let's so go. I love it. hypotheticals. I, I, yeah, I'm let's just curious it. what your thoughts are. Can I be 20 pounds lighter in this hypothetical? <laughs> Dude, Whatever too, you please. want. All right. <laughs> Carolina doesn't trade for Sam Darnold. They're a week before the draft. Where? What is this conversation shifted to? Where where do you think they're going right now at eight? Oh, I think they're de- taking a quarterback, bar none, no doubt, one hundred percent. Before they traded for Sam Darnold, I said they were definitely coming out of this draft with a quarterback. And I think they still might. Um, I not maybe not with the eighth pick. I think at the very least they will they will draft a quarterback, whether it's in the third round, the fourth round held the second round i mean if you trade back you acquire an extra pick may as well use it on a quarterback though i i always try to like think about and again we don't really know what drafter scott fitterer is going to be but when you look at the history in seattle when they for when schneider first got there matt hasselbeck left and they brought in matt flynn and tarvaris jackson to compete for the starting job and then they also drafted somebody in the third round that turned out to be Russell Wilson and that, and they paid Matt Flynn and at the time, a crazy amount of money to come in and play. And they ended up trading both of them and they had Charlie Whitehurst there touchdown Jesus. So it's like they, they took a lot of swings at quarterback. And I think that's how the they're going to operate as well as take a lot of swings at quarterback. Will they take a swing with the eighth pick? Maybe. Um, but I think they will certainly at the very least take a swing somewhere down the line, but to again, long winded way to say, yeah, well, sure. Kellen Mond is the guy that is on everybody's mind. Um, But you know, you never know. It could be, it could be somebody like Kyle Trask. We don't know what they, we don't know what kind of quarterback this, we actually don't even know what kind of quarterback this team values in the draft. We don't know whether they want a statuesque pass uh, uh, you know, a guy that stands in the pocket, pocket passer, or whether they want a guy that can create. Do they want Teddy Bridgewater? Do they want PJ Walker? Do they want Will Greer? Do they like Mac Jones? Who the hell knows? I mean, we we won't know until there's a little bit more data to uh, to, to to analyze on this kind of stuff. All right, enough draft talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just so hypothetical. I, I mean, I could talk about it forever. I just I, I enjoy talking about all the different ways that they could go. Um, 
because it's fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, we, we live for that stuff. Um, so if, uh, if we could transition a little bit to the, uh, to the vet minimum deals here, um, are there any um, vet minimum deals that you, can, that you foresee coming anytime soon? Uh, I know we had Daquan Jones today. Do you see them sign anybody else in free agency um, to fill any more holes, or do you think that's mostly over at this point? Uh, no, I don't think it's over. I think they're definitely going to be signing more guys to the hashtag vetmen. Check it out. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know. I know a lot of people love you on Twitter for that. <laughs> well, it's, it, it only started because it like people would say, people would just like throw out the most the most talented guys in the league that were going to sign for like 15 million. They'd be like, well, if he was going to come in for the vetmen, like I would take him. And it's like, well, would you? You'd be okay with Kirk Cousins, if he came in for the vet men, you'd be okay with that. Um, so uh, that was kind of where it started. But also, like, now you're just signing guys for the vet men. Um, so I think that when you look at some of these, there there are still holes that they need to fill. Uh, I think they need more depth. They they need more depth on the defensive line. Daquan Jones is not enough. They need They still need way more depth on the offensive line. Like, right now, they have nobody behind their top six guys. And I get it there. That stuff is going to get filled in with UDFAs and, and the draft. But um, what's interesting, I think in a season like this, where there was, you know, there was no combine and the pro days were kind of few and far between those UDFAs are going to be harder to come by too. So it's going to be hard to fill, uh, fill the roster that way. So I do think you're going to see more guys come in um, for the vet men, because I think that Matt rule likes competition. We've seen that in just one off season, you know, in one training camp, you saw him bring in guys and put the black jerseys on the starters and the, you know, like this, he likes to breed competition in training camp. And I think you're going to see that again this year. Josh, I'm just curious looking at this season. This is just, this is off of, this is more off of football. Just what's your favorite matchup this year for Carolina. And now we got 17 games. What are you, what game are you most excited about this year? Well, um, I will tell you that um, obviously uh, I'm a huge part of the Roaring Riot. I like to think games in terms of um, away game tri- away game experiences, which ones are going to be the best. Um, you look at this schedule and the idea of, and we need a l- little bit of help from Roger Goodell, but the idea of scheduling a game in Miami in December is just like, let's please come on. So please Roger, if you're listening, like I would love to go because so the A so the other way to think about it is I always think about which trips would you want to go on? Right. What I recommend, cause people do ask like, which, which Roaring Riot trips would you think that we should go on? I always, I always lean towards the AFC because you're not going to be back there in eight years. The schedule is a little bit more thrown off now because of the ninth game or the 17th game. But uh, so the AFC teams are Buffalo, Miami, um, Houston, and oh boy, oh boy, this is going to be embarrassing. Who else? Anybody want? Nobody wants to help. Uh, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine at this point. Uh, I'll get it in a second, but uh, but it'll be fine. I'll, I'll come back around to it. Um, so uh, Miami in December a lot better than Buffalo in December, and I also think that they have a better chance of maybe beating Miami in Miami. So talk about matchups that I'm most excited about. Plus you get to see Tua, you get to see whoever they're going to draft. 
Um, Patriots, actually, they're at yeah, Patriots. Well, they're at home and yeah, yeah, home. they Never play mind. New Never England mind. at home. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's yeah, that's that's definitely who I'm excited about is that opportunity to go to Miami and uh, and be out amongst the people. I mean, I, I I'm vaccinated as of a couple of days ago, so it's like we went to the Hornets game. We're like out and about now. It's like we're back to real life. It's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, Curtis and I are are planning on going to uh, Buffalo this year, I believe, um, which kind of nice. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. I'm trying to get the experience up there of the the crazy Buffalo Bill fans, maybe jump on a couple tables, uh, eat some hot wings, and <laughs> get a little crazy up there. That's, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> is that that's what you guys are most excited about? Is uh um is Buffalo? Yeah, I yeah, I would I would say that. I don't know if I can get to another one. Miami would be pretty cool though, too. That's you yeah. can't beat the you know the weekend life there, and then the weather. Yeah, that's New Orleans too. Is just like it's an it's a real experience, especially Roaring Riot hires a, a second line to kind of guide Panthers fans down Bourbon Street. So you're like you're like dancing down Bourbon Street. You've been drinking all day. Uh, you've got a bat a brass band is like playing you down people are taking pictures of you as you're walking through it's 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 a real experience it's awesome super fun i know this these aren't football wise but like i always feel like when you think about um if you think about the panthers games especially going and and experience doing these away games if you just base it on whether they win or lose it's gonna you know 50 percent of the time maybe even more you're gonna end up sad and it's like you don't enjoy the weekend a vacation with a Panthers game at the end of it. That that's how I like to think of it. Um, but if you're talking about home games, the uh, I mean, Cam Newton returns to Bank of America Stadium is uh, yeah, we're getting tickets pretty, to that one. Pretty darn good storyline. Yeah, I'm, I'm. While we're on the riot report, do you have any insight of a tailgate location? We had Zach on our first episode. We might bring him back, but I'm just curious if you've heard of anything. <laughs> you sound like you have some inside information. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I can't reveal it. Um, there are a couple different places that are in play. Um, but I know that we're, we're kind of in negotiations to move those move around right now. So they are going to be, uh, you know, within a few minutes of the stadium. Um, the same, the same awesome tailgate experience that the Roaring Riot usually pr- provides and maybe even a little bit more, um, this year, I think there's, there's going to be some really cool stuff that uh that that zach and i are cooking up so should be really exciting i would estimate what's today april uh i would say probably within the next month we'll have the exact location and then you know a little bit more information on it but it's gonna be uh it's gonna be super fun i mean you think about last year versus this year or last year versus this year coming up uh and it's just like it's gonna be the best year ever you know you can get out get to experience the games with your friends and, and tailgate and go on the road and high five people and hug people in the stadium. And um, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be great to get back to normal life for sure. And just watch some Panthers games, win or lose with, with my Panthers friends. So. <laughs> well, Josh, we want to thank you again for joining us on Panthers on tap. Make sure you guys go follow the riot report on Twitter read their content. Uh, Josh is also a panelist. He's already mentioned this on one day contract. So go give that a listen and a follow on wherever you listen to your podcast. Josh, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Always a pleasure guys. Thank you so much for having me. Um, 
look forward to seeing you at the, uh, at the draft party next week. Awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you very much. We will be there and be cheering. Hopefully. Again, we'd like to thank Josh for coming on really great insight. Love to talk the NFL draft, Carolina Panthers football, such a good time. Now let's get to our draft picks of the week. All right, Curtis, this week, um, it's another beer I got from Trader Joe's here. It is a local beer from Wicked Weed Brewing in Asheville, North Carolina. It is a wheat ale, fresh-pressed mango flavor. It is very good, 5.2%. My makes my face very red. You're a cherry, man. Uh, my face has been very red. The whole why my face does this, but um, it, it's a good beer nonetheless. Wheat ale with mango, pineapple, and guava. Uh, Wicked Weed, obviously, local brewery. Like I said, in Asheville, great. They make great stuff. Um, I haven't been to Asheville yet. I, I want to get out there really bad, and hopefully, we will head out there soon. But yeah, it's a great beer. Give it a try. Yeah, Wicked Weed's a cool place. I've been there. They got their beer on tap. is It's wonderful. So I definitely recommend that if you're in the North Carolina, head out to Asheville. Wicked Weed. You know, some of these breweries better start paying us because we're giving them some great promotions. I know, here. dude. It's it's crazy. We're One of these days we'll be here. that big. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Doing this for free out here. <laughs> so I'm going to New Belgium, which is also in Asheville. And this one is Voodoo Ranger. Uh I went with another juicy IPA. It's called Juicy Haze IPA Voodoo Ranger. New Belgium. That's another cool brewery. I've been to it in Asheville as well um what's cool about it is they actually have a slide inside that you can go down who, who doesn't want to go to a brewery and go down a slide after drinking a bunch of beer but this is a, it's a pretty good beer it's it's similar to the other juicy rp i had last week from foothills this one's a little bit darker i would say but it's it's still good um what's it it this is a lot more alcohol so i i'm not red in the face and i'm drinking much this is 7.5 percent but it's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good beer. And the can Voodoo Ranger cans are so freaking cool. The, the skeleton look, I love that. But again, give this one a try. New Belgium Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA. Again, if anyone is looking that doesn't live in North Carolina, I know we have some listeners out in the UK. If you want some of this beer, give me a holler. We'll find a way to get it to you. It might... It, you might have to give us a little bit of money, but we'll make it happen. So yeah, that's all for our episode today. Thank you so much for listening to Panthers on Tap. You can catch all our episodes every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and rate us. Give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your Panthers analysis, breaking news. And of course, we also do a bunch of giveaways. So stay tuned to our Twitter page for that. And as always... (laughs) 